Good afternoon, good afternoon. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc podcast. And we have a uh, special fourth, guest, fourth member uh, who's a guest with us this afternoon. Doc, you want to introduce him? Yes, this is my son Deuce. He has his headphones on. Um, he's eating his favorite little chips and raisins. So we'll see if he decides to engage in the conversation through the show. But right now he's fine. Let's have at it, gentlemen. Yep. The NTA Division One Council adopted a proposal allowing FBS conferences with, with less than ten members to hold conference title games between the top two teams in its standings so long as the conference plays a full round robin regular season schedule the vote passed seven to two the acc and the aac with the two dissenting votes what does this mean that means the big 10 is the big who are the two dissenting votes acc acc and, and the aac the American Athletic Conference and the Atlantic Coast Conference. They didn't like the change in the rules that you had to pay up, play around Robin because they were one of the right. correct conferences that actually they wanted deregulation completely. Yeah, they actually um, put in the original request along with Big Twelve to get it done. Now, getting back to your answer, the question that you had mentioned, uh, which will become a very much a part of the discussion today. Uh, the Big 12 stays the Big 10, and as long as the brand, uh, the flagship schools of Oklahoma and Texas, you know, makes a, a, a concerted effort and gets a shot at the uh, C, C, CFP, it's not going to change. What, Literally, it's what's not, not going to change. change? It'll stay like it is. You know, they won't be. They won't. There won't be any landscape ex, uh, expansion. Um, teams might. It might be a delayed effect as far as uh, teams. Uh, the landscape changing of some of the the next next group of five uh, conferences, schools involved in those situations, moving uh, moving around. Uh, speaking speaking of it's U of H, uh, uh, UConn, yeah, I think that's the big carrot out know, there that we talk about regionally around this, and obviously this in the landscape. You know, when is the next expansion? And many of us thought that there was a possibility that the it would Big happen Twelve within, would have to expand. Yeah, this year. One, if this rule didn't go in effect, and two, the other side is if they continue to feel like they weren't being able to have a presence. I think in a lot of ways this deregulation of the rule, not entirely, but partially saying that you still have to play a real round, round robin, doesn't necessarily say that Big 12 is going to go to the big championship game one. I mean big um, You're right. championship game, I should say, one. Two, you have the issues that came out, and I guess we'll get a little deeper in that with Oklahoma president still oh, yes. coming out and loudly oh, yes. saying that this is not enough for him, that he still thinks that the – Big 12 has an image problem. It's short. Uh, Thank <laughs> has you, Doc. a short man we'll go right complex. There. So that's the issue, and I'm not sure. We had this summer that people were thinking that they were leaning towards the SEC. So I don't think this is a closed picture totally in regards to expansion. So I think there's some questions that we need to kind of dig in a little deeper. And that's what Chris. we're going to do. You yes. going to dig a little deep? Quote, 
the Big 12 is disadvantaged when compared to the other conferences in three ways. Disadvantaged? We do not have at least 12 members, we do not have a conference network, and we do not have a championship game. I think that all three of these disadvantages need to be addressed at the same time. Addressing only one without addressing all three will not be adequate to improve the strength of the conference. That is a statement from OU President David Bourne. Hours within hours of the ruling that the NCA would allow teams that ruling. We so just he had that statement prepared in case, or he was hearing that it might go through. Why, why does this sound familiar to one school that that left suddenly after a? Uh, no, 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 no. Nebraska. No. Uh, when they left, um, it all boiled down to. Nothing was was uh, there was no uh, there was no uh, conference media outlet, whether radio, uh, TV, no package. Uh, they had uh, Nebraska had, and uh, fans had pretty much been pulled out of the uh, rotation as far as uh, the championship game being held either in St. Louis or in the Kansas City area uh, to accommodate their fans somewhat. You know, on a rotation like San Antonio, Austin, uh, I mean, uh, uh, and uh, well, I thought Arlington. they did pretty good with the football championship. Going but, they, uh, but, but, but I think the major issue that you're getting into is that they didn't have a league wide television package. And that, and that it, was it, significant it, that, to that's those a, that's programs that were trying to fight with what they seen the Chandy Lane sweep going with the Big Ten, and then finally the SEC mm-hmm. as of late, what they just did. Yeah. Uh, and then to some degree, uh, the package that the Pac-12 has. It's still growing, and there's still some concerns in terms of leveraging what that package will ultimately, ultimately deliver in most people's minds to the Pac-12. But if you think about those three Power Five conferences, the only two that are still out there that are not being able to create one is the ACC and the Big 12. And that's a major issue, as you said, with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. To some degree with Texas A&M, their issue was more with the fact that ain't, Texas had one and they didn't. Yeah. Even and though, the, the, and the commissioner wasn't even though oddly, I think this needs to get out there that Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Texas had the ability to create their own package. Oklahoma does have a package that financially does pretty well from them. But the president seems to say that these packages, in his opinion, are not sustainable. I think is what he's trying to get on the table. Thank you. President Bourne had an interview with John Hoover of Tulsa World yesterday or the uh, Thursday, and it's on TulsaWorld.com, and I posted a link to it on uh, link to the article on Twitter at my account, VHR Reviews, today because I wanted to get uh, my colleagues' thoughts on this. It's a good interview. It's a Q&A format, but here's here is uh, an answer from President Bourne. Basically, Mr. Hoover asked him to elaborate and expand on the statement that I that I just read to you. Mr. Bourne says, "I have been pushing, and I still very strongly believe that there that there is a Big Twelve, which is only ten members. And when you look at the five, the Big Five conferences, we're the only, we're the one with only ten members. We're the one without a playoff. We're the one without a conference network. And when you look at the long range stability." And the well-being of the conference, I think we're disadvantaged by being the quote-unquote little brother, so to speak, by being smaller. I think expansion is crucial. I think that with expansion comes a very strong possibility and a need for a Big 12 network. 
We're leaving money on the table in terms of the interest of most of the members of the conference, and we can always find a transition distribution that will help Texas not be disadvantaged from their current setup as we transition from the Longhorn Network. But over the next five he to ten years... He said transition from? From, yes. <laughs> but over the next five to ten years, having a conference network is very important. Having 12 members is very important. And then I think having a playoff championship game adds to the possibility of both more revenues and in most years it will add to our ability to have stronger consideration for the college football playoff. And as Doc mentioned here, let me skip down a little bit. I think coupled with the playoff championship game, we really, really need to seriously get focused on getting expansion accomplished at the same time. At least two more schools, and we need to get the Big 12 network stood up, and that means dealing with the Longhorn network. We have a Sooner network, but of course we were very willing for the good of the conference to make sure that that can be folded in in a way that's not disadvantageous to us financially. We're certainly willing for Texas to have some compensation, but we need to be willing to get all three of those things done, and I think trying to do them separately is not wise. I think we really ought to push for a comprehensive solution right now when the board gets together in February. Well, I think that there's a key word that he did say in there. There's two statements that I think are key, and then I'll pass it on to you. Uh, In terms of the fact that he said, one, he acknowledged that they had one, as I talked about, in Texas, and that the deal would have to be in such a way that it doesn't disadvantage either one of them. That's key. And two, he put it out there squarely on the table is that not getting this done uh, is going to keep them disadvantaged. And if it keeps them disadvantaged and they're leaving money on the table, he's going to have to look at different options. Wildcat? Now, what I got, which what basically I was listening for, was the one thing that he mentioned about uh, they are mentally, he himself, his school, Oklahoma, is ready for a... Not so much a bigger piece of the pie, but they're ready to to start sharing a piece of the pie, which most of the conferences, when they want to expand, they that, that question hardly ever comes up because of the fact they've already gotten there, uh, gotten to, to the money part of the situation from the networks and stuff. So now he's 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 basically the other thing that he's putting out there is I'm not concerned about how much money I'm getting on a regular basis from the network. Cause that's just going. That, that's a that's going to be coming on a, on a regular basis. I don't have to be looking at for sponsorship, signage, uh, ticket revenues, whatever. I, I, just, I, I, I actually think a little differently from his statement. I, I think partially I agree with that. Is that he is ready to share to some degree? Because you but know I most most of schools they don't want to. Right, but I think he feels that there's more money on the table. So while he may be getting more than everybody else, I think he's saying that I don't mind still getting more than everybody else. But I think without doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. we're leaving money on the table. So, for example, they might, let's just throw something out there. They're getting $20 million with the Sooner Network, making it work a year, basically. Um, and everybody else is getting 10 I think he's saying that we may should be getting 30 and everybody else may only be able to get 20 or 25 but I want to get the more. Yeah. Uh, 
it'll be interesting to know what hap- what transpires on the next meeting uh, when when the next uh, AD and President's meeting comes up. Um, I noticed. Uh, I don't remember his exact quote. Uh, the athletic director at tennis at uh, Tennessee at uh, Texas Christian uh, was Chris Del Conte. Chris Del Conte was pretty much happy with the way things were going, it, where, where they are right now. But he's willing to listen to pretty much what, you know whatever was offered out there, and kind of like roll with it, because he's a kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. His TCU, his TCU Horn Frogs, you know, <laughs> that's just who he is. He's always got a positive going, which is good. Yeah, I'm sure he does. He does. Because, you take the fact that TCU was outside of the Power Five down in. That's very happy going. Yeah. You know, he's moved. That, 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 now that's a program that has really lucked out. They've moved around in the last ten years, no, all over the place. They didn't luck out. They did what was necessary. They greased the right palms. They talked hey, to the right folks. They used the right I, folks. Made the right network connections. They, they, they get it done. That. I think it's probably like many things in life. It's a little bit of both. But remember now, conferences don't have to take you in. That's and, the, that, that's and that's a, where that, the smoothing comes in and right, helps you out. That's where the networking but, comes in. But they but also, the alumni and the fans had to do their part and come to the games. They had to upgrade facilities and do all those things to make themselves. They had to win also to make themselves presentable right. to a conference. So to when want the them opportunity to join. came, that mm-hmm. they exactly. Were ready. So that, that's, that's not luck. Was, yeah, that's not luck. Right. I think that the, the fact that the opportunity came in a lot of ways may be luck. But, but I back think both to y'all are right. President Bourne, who was asked. Do you have your own two schools that you would personally like to add or not? He said, while I have two schools, I would lean toward it may be three or four other possibilities, at least a couple more possibilities that I think are strong, but, but I would not let it hang up on whether I personally get my way about which two schools. I think we ought to add, as long as they're additive. I'll put it this way. I'm very frustrated that we have not taken these steps previously. And boy, I was very frustrated, for example, that we let Louisville get away and we let other schools get away. We had opportunities at one time several years ago before all these schools gave up their rights, talking about grant of rights, their legal rights, and their financial rights. We had a real opportunity, I think, back then to even snag some of the bigger name programs in the country. And we let that opportunity pass us by in spite of some of us expressing our frustrations. But I think now... There's good cohesion on the board. There's a lot of very sensible, we're looking at this in a very scientific way, not just sort of, I like so-and-so school. We've tried to really look at this from a scientific point of view and let the facts determine and look at the facts when we're trying to determine who would add the most to the conference. But it's way past due. We've been way behind. I think we have an excellent commissioner now. I think he's very capable. And I think we have a real opportunity to do something like this. I just hope we won't keep putting it off. You think, th- now this, this, this is the three of us now. Got to listen in audience. Because I don't think that's the, uh, the commission, Commissioner Bowlesby is not the, the greatest of. He's good at what he does, but he's not the greatest of. of well, it's con- clear that the problem that Bowlesby has it, but slightly before he came in on teams left and now that he's still in there is the fact that he cannot share a vision for the Big 12. That goes without a doubt because you have that right now. You have two presidents, essentially one speaking out, mm. and obviously the other one is a new president at Texas that yeah. seems not to be as uh, as poignant as powers were in, 
was, I right. should say, in and, terms and, of his direction for right. the conference in UT. But it's obviously he can't get him on the same page. So from that standpoint, I think that's where your frustration is. Yeah. is that I think he's saying more or less that if he if we can if he can help get all the presidents on the same page, then he believes Bowlesby can make the moves necessarily to get these deals done. I think there's two different things. One is a leadership capability in terms of bringing people together, uh-huh. and the other one is a management type uh, capability in terms of getting deals done. And getting the deals done is going to be the hard part. So you don't think he can do either then? No, I don't. Which leads me to this. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm the only one in the room that's been going to the f- football media days. <laughs> no. The question which comes down to this. <laughs> which comes to this. You, what scenario do you think is in the best long-term interest of the University of Oklahoma, staying in the Big 12 or pursuing membership in another conference? His answer, I think if. If we can get the Big 12 on the right track, if this comprehensive plan could be adopted, then I would rather stay in the Big 12. I think that would be to our advantage, but it's something that we really need to have happen. But we just need to wait and see what develops. Certainly, my first choice, if we can get the right things done in the Big 12, the right steps taken, especially these three, then I think we ought to stay in the Big 12. If it just doesn't happen, then I try to think long term. It isn't just a matter of Oklahoma or whatever. I just think the stability and the strength of the Big 12 will not be well served if we don't take these steps to strengthen it. End quote. Keep going. Somebody's got a vision and somebody doesn't. And and, and the, the, the person that, that doesn't have a vision beyond, you know, uh, not so much trying to hold it, the conference together as it is, but realizing that change coming and change will come. Be prepared for change when it comes, and be ready. Who doesn't have the vision? Who are you saying doesn't have I the vision? I don't think at this point in time that Commissioner Bowlesby is looking beyond where they are, where the, where the Big 12 is right now because he wants badly, because most conference commissioners do. They just they want badly for that conference to hold together. Um, and get as much out of what they can get as far as financially or revenues, whether signage or what, uh, or network or otherwise, to bring money into, monies into the uh, conference. But as a commissioner, I just don't see him looking beyond. Again, I don't. I don't think it's a vision thing. He may have the vision, and you have leaders all the time to have a vision. Many individual SWAC presidents that have sang a song to me that told me they had a vision. But again, they couldn't put it together. A leader has to have the ability to create a singular vision, particularly in this situation. We're talking about some very powerful men. And that's what I they understand that. All right now. I In understand fact, that. I see that. Ten schools. And so that's why I said I don't think it's a vision issue. It's a collective leadership issue. It's being able to get these ten schools on the same page, and that's what you've seen in the SEC. That's what you had when the ACC looked like it was splintering. You had an eight uh, a commissioner that was able to sell those presidents on if you stick with the path and you do a couple of these things. I can assure you that we can get through this and move the conference forward. He was able to do that enough where ACC 
expanded. If you remember, there was some right. major problems with that yeah. expansion. So that's what I'm saying that Bosby has a problem in. To me, it's not vision because he he may have the fact that he needs to get this done. The question is, it doesn't matter if he sees it or not. Can he get it done in terms of collectively bringing those people together? And I think that's your major concern is you're saying you can call it what you want, Doc. Vision, leadership, whatever. He can't pull it off is what you're saying. Right. I I don't see that. right, Right now, as of the day, you know, I don't see that. Let me say a few more things. A championship game for the Big 12 projected could generate uh, between 25 to $30 million for the, the uh, conference. A Big 12 championship game. However, if, it, if they just have Stan Pat, a 10-team league, a championship game in that scenario would involve two teams playing each other for the second time that season. Which, which could happen either way. Yeah, which, I which, mean, it's been well, done. Yes, but it, but, it, but it, it, is a, it is, it will happen the first way because they have to play around round. Right. So it's assured that it will happen. Yes, which sets up the possibility that could have happened in this, this season. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would have played two weeks in a row because they were first and second at the end of the season. So the Sooners blasted Oklahoma State and then it, would have to play them again a week later. Yeah, nobody would have won. Exactly. So it comes down to that scenario. Do you want that to possibly happen again? The fear is, well, not the fear, part of the debate is the college football playoff committee seems to value a 13th game, which is a championship game. You have uh, the Big Ten, the other Big Big, Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, SEC all playing in a championship game on the day when you're not. So you have you have disadvantage. In, in, in all thank you, you have disadvantage. In all likelihood you having two top ten teams playing against each other in a championship game for that conference, whereas in your conference you may not have that scenario. True. Well I think the caveat that is my understanding the Big Ten and maybe the Pac twelve really push for the issue is to make sure that um, that the Big Twelve couldn't set up a scenario where they could basically pick the two teams yes. they wanted to play to create the most advantageous situation. Well, when you create the rule essentially to take that situation away is the round, uh, round required robin. the round robin component, then you have all types of difficult scenarios at play. One, uh, rematches. Well, that happens, so that's not too big a deal. But the fact that you can have rematches of, of such games like the end of the season, which you, if you were in a conference split, you wouldn't have that because you would have those more likely in the same division. ACC was trying to create something like that where you would get a uh, Florida State-Miami situation. But also remember in the ACC when they were looking at doing it, at that point the Florida-Miami series was one that was not set on a particular time of the year because they played in different conferences. So that game generally was played in the middle of the season. And then so later you would see that um, they actually pushed it to the front of the season. I'm not sure with the Bedlam if you can push that series uh, to the middle of the season or to the front of the season. And so then, as you said, you're creating these scenarios where the marketability of playing a championship game does not work. So I think you get to back to the point that the Oklahoma president was talking about. This in alone does not fix our problem because it doesn't create the scenarios, practical scenarios, 
in place that allows us to financially take advantage of a championship game, uh, such as you see with the other conferences. So it, you're really getting down into the details in, in regards to this. So it's not that simplistic as it may seem to be. So I think he makes some great points. And I think in a lot of ways, as was the last time this kind of came up, a lot of this is squarely, squarely on the table of University of Texas. What do they want to do? I think the good thing that happens for the rest of the conference is the fact that, let's get it out there, the Longhorn Network in terms of being able to get on the cable television networks is struggling mildly. And as much power as ESPN has, they have been a not been able to do that. You have AT&T, AT&T, I think you have it on Direct now, but you still don't have it on Comcast, which is the major regional network for the largest city in the state of Texas, it's which is surely what ESPN was planning and wanting. And another caveat that a lot of us may have forgot, once I bring it up, you'll say, oh, yes, is when Texas A&M barked and then the rest of the people came after the fact and the Longhorn Network was not able to put many of those high school games on the network was a major uh, issue with that network being able to stand alone. Yep. Because if you put high school games on the Longhorn Network, what what neighbor local network is not going to pick it up? Right. They have to now. Because now you're talking about households throughout the local uh, region that we're going to request the fact that they want to see their kids on television. Right. So those issues, you keep seeing how these domino effects, and you have to keep a check mark on little things that are taking place. Uh, that goes on. So again, I say at the end of the day, uh, Oklahoma president has put a stake in the ground. We'll see if he moves, but he's made sure that it's out there squarely that this decision and people willing to make sure that Big Twelve continues uh, in some similar framework with Oklahoma being a part of the membership, it's right there in Austin, Texas. As they say during football season, University of Texas Longhorns, you're on the clock. Well, let me let me bring something else up. Once you get adventure down the championship round, you still got to find a, a neutral site and all the players. Are you gonna are you gonna put it in? The, are you gonna rotate out? You know the first three. Or are you just gonna find a permanent place and just go play? For what? For the champ for the Big Twelve championship? You because you put that Jerry World man Jerry Jones about that up. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, you're gonna put it on there and you're gonna put it out on bid. But you would think that I'm, I'm talking about the first three, the first three years where you would it, rotate it'd be a Jerry World. Yeah, I, I, I think. As, I'm putting it this way. As aggressive, and I think this is what's key, and people don't want to look at it. As aggressive as Jerry Jones and his company is, mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest to you that the Big 12 is going to have little choice because of the financial incentives that Jerry World is going to put on the table that that game, as you're alluding to, Chris, will be in Dallas. So NIG doesn't have a shot. They're not aggressive enough. Yes, they have a shot. Sure, they have a shot, but they have a shot. that's the key word Doc said, aggressive. They're not aggressive. The only reason Dallas lost the high school playoffs in Texas was the fact that what? 
It was a scheduling issue. It wasn't because NRG made some fantastic ploy to get the games here. They were benefactors, but it fell in their lap, essentially. And as they say, that's that. But there goes the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah. It, it all comes down to, to what Texas wants. What's, if Texas wants to look out for themselves and not for the betterment of the other members of the conference. Um, more for Mr. Boring. He, he kind of hinted at a few things without naming schools that he has <laughs> personal choices to. He said, we have to carefully look to decide which are the best ones. There may be six or seven so we could p- pick from that group the right two. We have to be very careful. We don't want to go out and get Okie Finoki A&M or something just to have a name. Just any old school, just go get anybody to have 12. We'll have to look at academics of the institutions. We'll look at them comprehensively as to which is the best fit. And also, we'll consider geography to a certain degree. I think West Virginia is kind of out by itself. You know, I was for adding Louisville. I obviously did not prevail. And they have now gone into another conference. And they're not available now, but they have been a good fit. They'd have been close to West Virginia. And you have to think about them and their travel and the rest of it. So I think we have to consider all those factors. Fan base, academics, geography. But we're in a position to do that. But I think to just add a championship game is just a band-aid and a debatable band-aid because I, some years I think it could be advantageous, other years not. I think that's only part of the problem. We've got the name Big 12 and we should live up to that. And we should have a network and reap the benefits. All the schools should share the benefits and I would think I and I think it would end up if you have a Big 12 network, it would ultimately five or ten years down the road it's going to be greatly beneficial to all the schools financially to have a Big 12 network. And yes, if we can do that and have two divisions, then I'm in favor of a championship game. But I think we need to do it all. Wow. He's putting it all out there. Some folks saying he's just negotiating. He's he's trying to cause the folks bluff and get his own well, way. And, and The only way you can, you can bring about discussion is if you just you either threaten, challenge, or uh, uh, whatever. But do you believe Longhorns to give up that network? Yes, I, I actually do now. Uh, well, it's, it's, I mean, thing, they, they're going to have they, no. The they'll, they'll give, they I think it's money. without a question they'll give it up. The network is losing money right now. Sure. Hand over fist. Right. I mean, literally. But I mean, they'll give up the network. That was the question. They'll give it up. That's without a question. Uh, to me, that's without a question. That was your question. Yes. And it's without a now, question. The next question. The next. Give up the money. Right. And I don't think they'll do that. They're going to be smart enough to be able to leverage this in such a way where it's financially advantageous to them. And that's the question. Can they create a scenario? And that's what the president of Oklahoma said. He said it can be done. It may be challenging. Can they create a scenario where you make pretty much everybody happy, meaning that, uh, that Texas, for the most part, still gets their money? And I think ESPN is smart enough. To help them do that. Because they have to find a way to leverage the fact that you said. It's not the Longhorn Network is losing money. But who owns the Longhorn Network? Not the Longhorns. They help with the production of it. ESPN loans. Correct. So that's the part that I think you have to really think about. Is how does ESPN get this done with. The Longhorns, because the Longhorns right now in the Catbird, they getting a check. 
Now, they obviously want to be good stewards the with their partner. Here's the conclusion from President Bourne. Because the question posed to him was, that would mean giving up the Longhorn Network, correct? Well, but as I said, there are ways to find a transition formula for revenue distribution and so on. It's going to be so much of an advantage to other schools for that to be ended and for us to have a Big 12 conference network. I would say also, rumors are that it, talking about the Longhorn Network, that loses quite a bit of money every year for ESPN. So I don't think they would be sad to see a change. And I think other schools would see enough long-term advantage that they would be willing to keep it revenue neutral for Texas so that Texas would not be making a huge financial sacrifice under the right transition plan to get it done. I think it's such a long-range advantage to everybody that we can have a transition plan that will work, end quote. Well, bam. You know, it's, it's, it's what I said. It's, it's, if it's it, because, well, now that the, the that part is uh, the uh, the amount of money, you know, uh, the amount of money has been banded about as far as what Longhorn Network is is, uh, is draining. Um, it's interesting. Well, let me ask you this question: Either one of you all have AT and T? Are you very similar? sure do? Love it to death. Did you get the Longhorn Network? Sure do. Yeah, that's what I said. It's, I said, but yeah, it's on, but but it's on Directv. It's only, but it's not. What 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 all do you? I mean, what all do you get? The what what what's the content that, that Longhorn programming, twenty four seven Longhorn Classic games, some coaches shows, yeah. women's basketball. It's the same thing you get on the internet. The uh, ESPN Network. What do they call it now? The yeah. non revenue sports, Olympic yeah. sports, whatever you call it. All that stuff is on there. So I you got a lot of. You get a lot of women's basketball, which is what I really. That's the only thing I watch. Right. I don't watch same thing you talking about you when know? you. Uh, like the Pac-12, the yep. fact that you get a lot of the Pac-12 non-revenue, women's in this basketball. case, yep. is women's basketball, which he is the guru of. So for him, for Chris, yeah, it's big time. It's good. I don't watch the classic Vince Young, Rose Bowl stuff they show every day, you know, <laughs> and uh, Ricky, Ricky Williams analyzing stuff. I don't see, you know, the, the Mac Brown show or the Mac, you know, the coach. I don't watch any of that stuff. Yeah. But the basketball, women's basketball, I, I, I watch that. If it's matchup, I want to see. Speaking of, Mac Brown was in town last uh, this past week uh, to receive a uh, lifetime achievement award from the uh, uh, Bear Bryant uh, Coach of the Year committee. It was uh, I didn't get a chance to stick around late to uh, check all that out, but it was, it was good that he had uh, good things to say about the media these days since. He realizes that uh, it's all about work, being prepared, and being able to carry, as they say. And KJ, you and I both know sometimes it's hard to carry when games get out of hand. Uh, the discussion goes back to the studio, and you gotta like bring some things up and, and be able to go with the flow and, and, and no script. He's learning how to. He's learning the the importance of filler material. So uh, you know. And he's done a good job, you know. I've heard that he did the uh, some U of H football games, and I was, you know, home games for sure. And I was uh-huh. at the games at the stadium, so I didn't get to hear his uh, work. But from feedback I've heard, uh, Coach did a good job. He was he was he was fair, he was thorough, and uh, he did a good job as as an as an analyst for the football game. So he's a smart guy. I mean, he'll. He'll he will study his craft and improve if he has any weaknesses, 
and things he needs to work on while he's doing TV games. So, and there's no make, make no mistake about it. He is quite proud of uh, the work and the things that Tom Herman has accomplished at U of H in a short amount of time in this one year. So, you know, he knows what's going on there. But let's get cut to the chase. <clears throat> there is talk now, depending on who you talk to, it wasn't brought up too much when the women's basketball team was here in town beating U of H by 39 points. But there is some talk that UConn is uh, one of the teams that the Big 12 will look to add to the conference because of Football is starting to become West, relevant somewhere. That ain't – UConn football doesn't, doesn't – they don't travel at all for football. No, um, that, that, see, you looking at it totally no, different. Cause, no, no. Because we'll, when not, I look at the – no relevant. Look, it's not even relevant on campus. When, when, I, when I look at a program moving, they don't mean, they're not moving just because of bas- men's and women's basketball. It's football or bust. We all know that. All Everybody right, knows then. that. But okay. UConn football is not relevant on UConn campus. They have become – Somewhat be- better, right there. Somewhat <laughs> better than that, what they what they've been. They, they're not the, the bottom feeder that they've they've been for years. Uh, and it, it looks like, but who the administration? But once is there. again, they don't support their football. I'm not, as a as somebody so that, looking to bring them in. That's, I'm not concerned about that. But you would be from this perspective if the fans don't come out and support. That's one thing we talk about. U of H. The fans need to go out and support the football. And they, if UConn football doesn't go out and support UConn football, that's a bad look for TV. That's part of the whole package. They support basketball, period. Now, when they had big time pro, big time games come to see them play play football, UConn football, they weren't there. They don't care about UConn football. And I get that. All I want to know is are they competitive, and they won't just get embarrassed every week. If I'm like, bringing, if what, I'm like, bringing, like Kansas State, now what they do? Yeah. If you want to do that, then that's fine. All you need to say about UConn is the Northeast region and the potential TV markets. That's what they bring to that's the conference. They, they don't care about the football they team. They don't care about the football team in terms but of it, its it, competitiveness. They would like it to be there, but that's lower on the on the, the factors that they look at in terms of competitive. Damn. Every market that you would look at and you talk about expansion, it's not about how competitive the football program is it's whether and I, that football program can deliver eyes based on television markets and i get that from both of you all it's the I same reason that. if i if i'm wrong then why you would have to explain why ruckus were able to get in the big 10 yeah it wasn't about Their that football they had is a trash yeah, except for here and there every so often that that they're they have a pulse TV, it's the eyeballs. That's the one reason. That's really, in reality, why we don't see the Big 12 adding U of H because they don't. U of H does not add anything new to the conference in terms of TV sets and eyeballs. Why else would? Why else? Obviously, the Texas schools are afraid to add U of H because they know they're recruiting. You have U of H, more money, more everything to compete against them, and smack Texas Tech and other bottom feeders around. They don't want them in the conference. UConn, UConn football, whatever, would add nothing to Big 12 except eyeballs and TV sets. That's why they would add them to the conference. Really? There's nothing. There's no other way around it. You could say, well, basketball, well, we have the UConn, the women, and men's national championships. 
Okay. TV sets that don't mean squat. Really? What else you got? TV sets. TV sets. That's why I look at Cincinnati. Another TV market. Eyeballs. Who else it's was mentioned? football. Who else was mentioned? Mentioned where? This is this is what we discussed before. It's, this is why we, we don't believe U of H will be added to the Big 12. We would love it. Well, some alums would love it. Many of them don't want anything to do with Texas. They they don't want they don't believe they can trust Texas as far as they could you could throw a TV set. Well, you ain't running them off. That's for damn sure. Not a point of running running who off. You ain't running them off. It's, it's, running it's, it's, who off? Running the UT off. You know, you, it, you either join this party that, or you stand on the outside and just watch. No U of H alum believes they can run Texas off. That's not the either point. Either join the party or just or stand and watch they, on the outside. They, the point Except is, what's going they on. can't. They don't believe. No, no. They don't believe Texas would allow them to join the conference. That's what they're coming from. It's not a question of being part of the conference. They realize it's a Power Five conference. It's more money, more attention, more prestige. They don't believe UT would allow them to be in the conference because they know for a fact U of H would start smacking that behind like they did back in the 70s when they first joined the Southwest Conference. Well, that, if that happens, that just happens. We'll find out come August be the first be the, the no. toe to tell you. The, the Longhorns the, won't allow U of H to join the conference. That is their perspective that many alums believe. Yeah, like I said, you either join the party or you stand on the outside and watch. Wildcat. You're missing what I'm saying No, here. I'm not. They're uh-uh. not. U of H wants, would like to join the Big 12. They're saying UT will not invite them to join the Big 12. Yeah, he's Either saying he's, that the U of H people say it's not going to be a choice. If they had a choice, they would join the party. But they're saying that they're not going to get an invitation. And the major reason they're not going to get well, an let me invitation ask, let me, let me ask is not because they're not competitive. It's not because they don't bring in a market. They bring in a market. Some would argue that's a market that already exists. But they obviously bring in a market. But the question is, is from those that are outside that would have to be part of the committee that would say yes, which is Texas mainly, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech as well, are not going to open up the floodgates for another team in Texas to strengthen them because the move would absolutely strengthen them. The reason that TCU got in was not necessarily what TCU brought in the table, but TCU was in a place to take advantage of the fact that the Big 12 was literally falling apart. They had to bring somebody in. And the easiest team to get in as quick as they could was TCU. Well, let me ask you a question this That's way. That's not then. the same scenario that exists That's for correct. U of H right now. Does the administration at U of H, the folks that the powers that be, That'll make the decisions and all on all of this. Are they of that mindset? Or are they of the other? We go, we come in and we gonna shoot our shot. Gonna take our shot. They're, making, mm-hmm. they're trying to work. They they being political. They're sure. putting on a good face. They're fighting for it. Well, but again, you asked two questions. We said, what do the people think based on what's going on? You're saying, what do the presidents think? The president's gonna push for as if. There's no tomorrow. They're going to make sure that they do everything in their power to get this done. But it's also the presidents on the other side. Before U of H can say yes, there has to be an invitation. That's where the question comes in. They cannot force themselves in the door. 
And that is the issue. Some folks believe that one of the teams that President Boren is talking about in that interview Q&A is U of H. He wants U of H in the Big 12. But if UT, Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech, no, we don't want them in here. U of H ain't going to be in the Big 12. He made that clear. His objective is to get to 12 teams. He said there's six or seven teams that he believes essentially would work. There's some that are probably better than others. In his mm-hmm. mind, financially, okay, that he would like. But he also understands that they made everybody in the other conference that would finally say yes on 12, meaning adding two more, uh-huh. may not be the same two that he likes. Well, and so he's able to shift and say, as long as we get to twelve and it's part of these seven schools, he'll make it work. Well, has well, let me ask it ask it, ask it this way then: Do you think he's gotten to the by any means necessary as far as getting that done? Yeah. Any means necessary meaning what? Uh. Yeah, he he just put it out there on the table. He pretty much th- he said, if we don't get to twelve. We're leaving. That's I mean, not, I don't and, know and, and, and how much more simply you can get to that. And let's be real. He said that he's going to look out that's at not, the best interest of the University of Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma State, that's but the, the University that's, of Oklahoma that's in terms of a long way. So he's saying that he's By going to. By any means Yeah, but the, the okay. question you have still, though, is his first thing is not U of H. His position is let's get to 12. Which makes it easier for everybody to And he said there's seven that. schools. And apparently... We you know, know almost assuredly that one of those schools are going to be a school that's in the East Coast. Cincinnati or... Now nah, UConn. More than likely. Okay. Right? Because right. there's going to have to be a travel partner. Fan base, for academics, Virginia. geography. Yeah. Um, so the, there's one spot left. If we only spend in 12, and it looks like 14 will be difficult in terms of financially make it work where everybody shares the revenue and still work, there's not that many teams out there to get you to 14 that can make the money up. Right. So that means you have essentially six schools fighting for one space. Okay. Uh, That's going to be tough. Now, I've heard mentioned before when programs, uh, conferences were getting to expand, you know, they mentioned about uh, AAU and and you know, affiliation as far as academics and all. That's Big Ten. Uh, what doc? Explain them because I, I I just hear it. I don't understand what it what it all means and all. But as far as you know, it's AAU schools like Chris. Yeah, which is American. Uh, what, what what academic what, university? Okay. The the major in- conference out there that really pushes this agenda is the Big Ten. Okay. When it formed and got to 10, 11 institutions, one uh-huh. of the major criteria when they looked at expansions for the presidents to say go was the fact that the school would have to be part of the AAU, uh, which is a very prestigious institution. So when they expanded that work, even when they brought in 12, which was Nebraska, at the time Nebraska was a member. It since is no longer a member because it's my understanding that they no longer meet some of the criteria for research dollars okay, associated with having a medical school. Oh, okay. Their medical okay. school in the state of Nebraska is not really connected to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. It's, it's independent. Okay. All right? 
And so, which brings a secondary issue is that that's one of the reasons you see University of Texas pushing to get this medical school on campus as part of that. Which and, is amazing to me because that doesn't happen anymore, which still lets you know some of the power and, the UT pushes forward. But to get back to the yeah. athletic part of this and answer your question is, the other school that has a huge, other conference that has a huge framework of that is the Pac-12. And that's why you have some issues in terms of whether they would bring in some of the schools from New Mexico. They don't have the academic strength yeah. to get them there. Um, and then you start adding the other problems with television marketing and things of that nature. They fit geographically, but not the other one. The third school that had some issues with this for the longest was ACC. With their last expansion, some people would question if that's still a huge scenario. Oddly enough, SEC didn't have any problems with that, but the last two schools they expanded on actually strengthened them academically as well because they were uh, both Tier 1 institutions and members of the AAU. So it was intriguing to see that in terms of that. So that's the issues when you start talking about um, academics. But I'm not sure the Big 12 is from the framework that when they say academics that it's an AAU member. A long times they may believe that it just needs to be a Tier 1 in terms of research uh-huh. institution. Those are two measures because Nebraska is still a Tier 1 institution, but it's not a member of the AAU. Because so. somebody that – because when – I mentioned it when it was mentioned and it came, it came up in a conversation. They meant it, it was different between, you know, research and uh, uh, dollars and what you do on campus, you know, and trying to. D- d- yeah. Well, uh, there's just a different threshold, is what I. Would oh, okay. Say. It's all mm-hmm. about research and research dollars, just a different threshold in terms of how you measure that. Even when you look at the Carnegie, it's a classification of institution based on research. They, they at one time had what you call research institutions. So essentially any institution that had a threshold of a million dollars of research and above mm. were part of it. Well, research dollars have zoomed yeah. up. Yeah. So they decided to reconfigure it. So they even in their research division, they have like three different uh, divisions. They have like low research uh, component of an institution, research institution, and they have uh, extensive research institution. So you have UT, which would be extensive research institution versus like Texas Southern, which would be just a research institution because we do generate the million dollars, but not upwards of the hundred million dollars. So that's when you talk about tier one versus AAU. Both of them are research. One is just higher than other. And here's a quote from pertaining to membership in the um, Association of American Universities, you know, the AAU, from a non-member outside looking in. Called it perhaps the most elite organization in higher education. You'd probably be hard pressed to find a major research university that didn't want to be a member of the AAU. Period. I understand. I'm grasping. And it's straws, I'm just grasping. No, it's why we do the podcast. So we can help you know, provide um, information, and sometimes that's for us as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And let's be clear about Oklahoma. Oklahoma going to be all right. The Big yeah. 12 disbands. Yeah. Oklahoma won't have a problem being invited to go to the right. Big 10 or the Pac-12. Is you Oklahoma know. a member of the A? No. I didn't think so. No, sir. They are not. Right. But part of his mission mm-hmm. is, is to get them there, and he has to do that by pushing that research, mm-hmm. and that's why they put it in the thing. Now, Rice is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Things are going, are happening behind the hedges again. I don't know exactly what, but uh, it's kind of like uh, a little head scratching and all that's going on over there. 
I got to go and find out what's going on. So I'm headed there tonight to do a men's basketball game. And just watching to watch the sights and all. I think the kids are back on campus uh, this weekend. So it'll be it should be interesting. Who are you so I can find folks find out about you, read your <laughs> see your videos and things of that sort. Yeah. And listen to your interviews. Alright. You can my name I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me on Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook, Jerry L. Woodley Junior. J. L. Woodley One. On SoundCloud, YouTube, Blogger, Blogspot, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Will you be at Hall Finals events Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I in? sure will. Tonight I got a couple of days off, and I like this just one basketball game a night. It's just it's not wearing on the body. What do you think? Who's who? Who are you picking? Uh, I think the Cougars will be ready to the whole whole court. I I really do. All right, I I agree. I'll, I'll pick U of H as well. Let's talk about something else, Wildcat. On what you, what the you got women's there? basketball perspective, tomorrow afternoon, I believe it is two thirty. Yes, two thirty Central Time on ESPN two. I think they're number six. I'm not really sure if that's accurate. But number six, Baylor at number four, Texas. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm missing that game. But, hey, I'm staying at home. I've been on the road a little bit too long. So, I'm, I'm a, so it's in Austin. And I would have normally been at that game tomorrow. But, but who are you picking? I'm going to pick Texas the whole court. Me too. Just because. I'm sure Coach Mulkey would love to hear that. He's definitely oh, man. <laughs> I'd have a fight on my hands, probably. But, yep, it's uh, 2.30 on ESPN2, Baylor at Texas. Two of the uh, top teams, not only in the Big 12, but also nationally. Right. Nationally. Neither one probably can be UConn. But, hopefully, if they get the opportunity, they will, will be competitive and make the game exciting for more than just a, a quarter or even a half. Speaking of, you you had an opportunity to watch more. Um, I've even seen a couple of um, high school games and all this past week just because uh, scrimmages and all going on inside the building. What have you are you What have you noticed as far as the lower tier teams adjusting to the uh, four quarter situ- situation? Is it is it becoming a helpmate, a hindrance, or the because from what transpired the other week with uh, the Cougars in 10 minutes looked like they were world beaters. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think everybody's adjusted to it fine. <clears throat> but the problem is there's just not enough flow, women's ball, no, talent. Well, that's always you know, been a problem. I that, mean, but, exactly. but, it, but, it, but know, is it less than, ball is, handling. Is, is it more, is it, is it more noticeable now than it was before when we was, when it was just two halves or, no, I, I think bad basketball is still bad basketball, whether it's a quarter format or, or two halves. Um, you know, I mean, U of H struggles to get 50 points, you know, in their games. They, they had one of their best efforts uh, earlier this week on the road. It still lost their winless in-conference play, but they, they scored, I think, probably maybe their most points in conference in their – 76-70 lost 
to East Carolina to move to 0-1-6. And let me let me look at the point totals in in conference. U of H has scored 48, 66, 57, 37, 48, and 70. Who did they score 70 again? East Carolina. That was on Thursday. Uh. So, you know, quarters or not, they're still having problems struggling, you know, struggling to score. East Carolina was, I think, picked to be a preseason top half, upper half of the conference. Right now it's Connecticut, of course, then Temple, South Florida, whose lone loss in conference was to Connecticut, you know, and then Tulane. Those are the four teams with winning records in conference. And then Memphis and Tulsa are at 500, SMU's at 500. Then losing records, East Carolina, Cincinnati. And then winless, UCF and U of H. UCF is 0-5 and U of H is 0-6 on the women's side. So we shall see how that all plays out. I think the Rice women, uh, their game today, I think, should be over. So let's see if we can get a score, conference game. They were on the road. They lost at Marshall today, 81-52 to, uh, I think, fall of 3-13 overall and 2-3 and in Conference USA. I think, what, Doc, you got uh, SWAC action, TSU and Prairie View both on the road, men's and women's teams. Yes, Prairie View is at uh, Grambling and Texas Southern at Jackson State. The one that's really interesting, uh, I would suggest over the other, Probably both the men's and women's Texas Southern at Jackson State, as um, obviously both Texas Southern teams are undefeated, mm-hmm. and Texas Southern—I mean, Jackson State men's have one loss. Jackson State women have one loss, I believe. I'd have to look a little closer at that. But the other one, the interesting is going to be that Prairie View and Grambling on the women's side, in terms of what took place there. Grambling jumped out two games at home. And then went on the road and lost next two. Mm-hmm. So they're at two and two. Obviously, uh, Prairie View is at two and one. I mean, at one and two. One and two. They had that one victory over Southern. So they're going to try to continue their ways. Other team that I thought was interesting, Tennessee State Independent out of uh, in terms of HBCUs. But they are in the OVC. They're winning big time, playing some good games. Both men's and women's of Tennessee State Tigers got big wins in their last conference game. Uh, and so they have a big game today for Tennessee State men's and women's. We'll see if they can keep winning, particularly on the men's side as they play Murray State. So I'm interested to see how it goes on tonight. Uh, so the races are always solid, and so we'll see if, what that means for uh, women. Tennessee State women are 6-0 and at home this year, so they're going to be getting it done big time basketball games and programs for the MEAC and SWAC that you want to keep your eyes on in terms of what takes place. So watch out for those key matches, MEAC, some games that you want to keep your eyes on. One interesting was Howard played uh, Harvard earlier today. Lost only by 8, 69-61. Very good game. It was in Washington, D.C. the game was played. So I thought that was a unique non-conference matchup between two prestigious uh, private institutions, so I was intrigued about that outcome. Obviously, Howard couldn't quite get it done, but they made it respective, so you keep your eyes in there. There is one final that is, that's in on the women's side for the MEAC. North Carolina Central gets it done over Norfolk State, a close game, 63-62 in terms of the final numbers. That takes 
Norfolk State Lady Spartans are struggling to 0-5, but North Carolina Central gets to 2-3 overall in the MEAC play as they continue to try to see if they can keep their eyes on a championship run. Uh, some very other games that you want to keep your eye on. That Hampton-North Carolina A&T game is intriguing for me on the uh, women's side. A couple of more games I think will be big-time games that you want to keep your eyes on today. Also, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, on the men's side is North Carolina A&T and Hampton. So keep your eyes on what's taking place there moving forward. Another thing that I want to talk about, still an HBC Ram that's a little bit off tilter about that is the fact that you had a radio host. Thank you, Doc. Oh, my radio goodness. Host, oh, here we go. Uh, that I here think we go. Here we talked go. about uh, that kind of stubbed his toe, I guess, would be. No, uh, some it, people would say. I would that, just say that he was ignorant. I did listen to apology, so I would give him credit in terms of him understanding that, the error of his ways. But the fact that he even let it out of his mouth. Uh, does a lot. His name is Tom Jones. He's the host of a sports talk radio show, ESPN affiliate, 620 WDAE out of Tampa Bay Times. He is a columnist uh, for the local newspaper there. Uh, but he got excited and kind of... Um, Lost his mind? Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's just... Ultimately, when I listen to his apology and I really listen to the framework of what he said, it really, to me, is an example of how white privilege exists. Because in his mind, originally, he just put it out there. It, was no, it wasn't a big deal. He didn't do it to be harmful. He didn't do it to be harmful. He just really was not thinking. In a lot of ways, he thought he was being funny and playful. Uh, and so until but he, he also got thought educated, he was right now. Let's just... Well, I don't, uh, as I said, I'm going to take what he said face value. So I'm not going to read all into it again. I said, I heard his apology, and he came straight forward and said that didn't exist. So some, from that same standpoint, I, I think a lot of it was, again, just for him being that everything that is white is right in a lot of ways. Let, so you let, don't even, know what he said. You don't, you don't take, we're take talking advantage about. of it. So when he said that, he said that Eddie Robinson uh, wins – Really didn't matter, didn't count, and he essentially said that it was not big-time college football. It was not anybody in their right mind that if he was talking about today would say that that's not true. It is true. It is true from that standpoint. He actually was talking about from the standpoint of the 60s and 70s. And from a historical standpoint, it's just not accurate. Is what you later f come back and see when Bamani Jones did an excellent job, as well as Roland Martin dealing with the controversy and uh, paying homage to it and, and talking about that from that factor. But the fact was is that he said that it was not big-time college football, and the reason I say that's not accurate is in the 60s, uh, it was desegregated. at that. I mean, it was segregated at that time. So obviously all football – was big time. Now there was terminology used in terms of university level and college level, and that was because of the That's racial situation right. at the time. So HBCUs could not be big time. But if you measure talent in terms of those that played at the professional level, once they got a chance, you would see that a lot of the HBCUs are historically black colleges, as we use the full vernacular in the term, stated that they were. Um, Big time because they made it to the pros, and when they got to the pros, they became Hall of Famers. So he acknowledged once he educated that he was referencing more about when 
uh, Grambling uh, more in his later years, uh, just ignoring what took place in the 60s and 70s. And that's, again, why I say it's more evidence of privilege, white privilege, of where oftentimes the white community will look at things of what's important to them and don't even take other cultural relevant situations. And that's why I said it was more about that than anything else. Because, well, not, because excuse me, Wildcat, okay. because the thing that I take from it is it's like it never even entered his mind that the football of the white football teams was not an inferior product. And that I had a problem with because he never thought beyond what right. he's looking at right now. And, and that's today. why I say you call it white privilege. Yes, that's exactly. Because everything in your mindset is white. And when Coach Culpepper, former coach at, uh, at, at, at Gramlin, called in, had a discussion, and basically enlightened the young man, uh, the, the, the uh, host, host uh, of, inf- of real information, not fake, uh, he was somewhat uh, backtracking. He wasn't humble. And even his co-host tried to save him in the process. But he was bound and determined before he got educated on the radio by Coach Culpepper of what transpired during the 50s and the 60s when segregation existed to the point to where uh, no schools in the South allowed blacks on campus. Let's long talk about playing football or extracurricular activities. Which, when I when I finally had a chance to, to listen, I still found it, and I, to this day, I, and I'm just, I guess I'm just being unforgivable at this point. Uh, I didn't want to, I still hadn't accepted his apology, his, his apology just because of well, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I accept this apology because who am I not to accept this apology? I mean, if, 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 that's the only reason to say that. Yeah. But I'm not saying what he said wasn't ignorant. And that's right. the point that I'm trying to get out. But I'm trying to state it in a framework so people understand why exactly is it ignorant. Mm-hmm. It's ignorant because it's false. It's mm-hmm. ignorant because, as we said, it provides a framework and a premise that only white is white, is, is right. It comes from the framework that you hear a lot of people that talk about white ice is colder. It's that mindset, which the uh, academic term we use for that is white privilege. Is when your framework of the world is seen through eyes of a very Eurocentric uh, framework. And so that's why I wanted to make sure that it was clear that the reason I said his statements and I accepted his apology. Go ahead and wrap it up, Doc. T- tell folks how they can find you, and we'll close it out. Yes, Do this is Dr. Kenyatta DeVille, the professor, associate professor at Texas Southern University. And as you see, that's my son, uh, Jafus Kenyatta Cavill, the second, better known as Deuce, that is ready to get on the radio. He's kind of timed out. He was silent for a while, so we apologize for that additional It's not a problem. No, he's folks there, guy, but he's a commando, to... Doc. He commands presence. <laughs> he commands presence. Yes, he does. Uh, chip off the old block, as Biddy would say. But with that being said, 
I'm really excited about this semester as we kick off on Tuesday, first day of the class, first day on campus as uh, MLK holiday, Martin Luther King holiday, Dr. Martha Luther King Jr. holiday, I should say, is on Monday, his birthday. With that, um, we're going to actually get into a The book. holiday celebrating his birth. His birthday was the 15th. Right, celebrating his birthday, <clears throat> say, correct. And with that being said, I'm delivering a class as SPMT 476, as we talk about the rubric here at Texas Southern University, where we look at the history of HBCU sports. So we're going to actually go through that time frame and go back and talk about uh, the successes of HBCU coaches, uh, from Eddie Robinson at Gramlin to Billy Nix at Prairie View, uh, Jake Gaither at FAMU, and Mumford at Southern. And so we'll go on and on, Jackson State, Tennessee State, Morgan State, so we'll talk about banks and those coaches uh, that are very familiar to a lot of people. Some, but some hoops coaches, to- I hope, as well. Yep, we'll get into okay. the basketball as it takes off. But we actually go to the genesis of when schools began and when they started conferences and what pushed that issue, what pushed the importance of sports in the African-American community. And some people would say maybe today, maybe even too much so. But we look at why those cores are t- – tied and I'll close out my portion of the show with this framework so people will understand. It was a time in this country and why many people were frustrated uh, by the comments by Tom Tom Jones and and people may want to push it aside but we'll never forget because it's important to understand your history or it may come back in some form and with that said there was a time where not only were African Americans not allowed to go to historically white colleges and universities um there was a time where historically black colleges weren't even allowed to be members of either the NCA or the NAIA. And because yeah. of that, these conferences had to create their own. These institutions, historically black colleges, had to create their own conferences that allow racial pride to exist. Because there was a time in this country, particularly in the South regions, that you could not look a white person in their face What I for, for the ultimate, maybe paying the ultimate the price, price yeah. which could be your life, yeah. meaning death. And so that's why, in a lot of ways, sports has become very important in the black community from a historical point. Because it allowed cultural expression, it allowed racial pride, and it allowed black masculinity and black femininity. And so that's kind of what we teach in that class. You can also listen to me on the radio show at... KCUH Radio, that's www.kcuh Radio. You can listen to streaming and tune in app, which is probably the best way. If you can't listen to it live every Tuesday from 6 to 7, you can also go to the SoundCloud app at Doctorville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Wildcat? Uh, lastly, and this, uh, I'm in the process of trying to locate a book. Uh, it's probably in paper bag and it may not exist in print anymore called Tear Down the Walls. It is a book uh, based on uh, from slavery to the civil rights uh, and just beyond. And it is enlightening. It's a book that I read out of high school and I've been trying to locate it here for the last six months and now that I've gotten some time uh, this month and next month, I am diligently searching 
for tear down the walls. If anyone out there can find can can locate me the book or a place to find it, I would be gladly appreciated. Good luck in your quest. I think we'll take care of that. That's why I brought it here today. Sure. Have you had a chance that we in in the near future going to have a go see the undefeated HP Huskies? Who are four zero in South Conference men's basketball? Yes, yes I have. You gonna see them anytime soon? Yes, yes I will. What's on your agenda, sir? When are you gonna see them? They're in New Orleans today, but they have a little road trip yep. for a few games, then they come home for Hillsdale Baptist on the twenty fifth non conference game, and then they have San Jose State on the January thirtieth. And that will be an interesting game. They're nine and seven overall, four zero in conference. So. Uh, one five in a row. They're eight and zero at home, and that is the reason I'm going by. So and uh, we, you know they have yet to lose a game while I was sitting in the building. All right, and I like that. And uh, HP women's coach uh, Donna Finney told me and us as well that Sharp Jim's capacity is is one thousand. Like I said, she listens to our podcast, <laughs> and we appreciate her support. I know she's upset because uh, I hadn't been by there like I normally do at least once a week to to. Attempt to get a uh, interview from me uh, from her, one of the girls. But trust me, everybody's on the agenda. Everybody's on the agenda. Lastly, I hadn't forgot about anybody. News yesterday: University of Texas closes on 100 acres in Houston and plans to buy 200 more. Wildcat. The University of Te- Texas has taken a step, a key step, in a Houston expansion that some area, area leaders have called an "quote unquote" invasion. UT announced Friday it had closed on 100 acres in southwest Houston and plans to buy 200 more in coming months. The announcement is a sign that UT leaders are not slowing a planned expansion as many area lawmakers have asked. Quote from the statement, the proposal to eventually purchase more than 300 acres in southwest Houston, just 3.5 miles from the Texas Medical Center, and near the downtown hub of business activity will provide extraordinary opportunities for new and unprecedented educational and research partnerships and initiatives in the nation's fourth largest city. Now, quote, State Senator John Whitmire has (laughs) said he believes UT plans to spend at least $200 million on the land, saying earlier this week that such a purchase without a detailed plan shows UT's quote-unquote arrogance. And your point being what? University of Houston leaders and area lawmakers have asked UT to reconsider its expansion in Houston, fearing a new UT campus could siphon faculty and research money from Houston's rising research university. UT Chancellor William McRaven has repeatedly said he has no plans to compete with UH and is open to working with the city's universities UT plans to convene a task force of local leaders to guide a plan for how to use the property. UT wants to use the land to develop, quote from the statement, higher education innovation, intellectual and idea hub that could ultimately increase Texas national and international competitiveness. The task force will focus on ways to significantly increase research funding and educational opportunities in nationally emerging fields and will be asked to avoid recommending programs or initiatives that duplicate what other Houston institutions are already providing, end quote. 
thoughts on that real quick as you wind it down? Doc, I mean, not Doc. Uh, KG, they have, UT has made a decision. Well, let's, let's, let me back up. First of all, for folks that don't know, the 40 acres is getting squeezed. They don't have, that. they are not able to develop what they're looking for in the city, uh, the surrounding area, in the city, uh, in, the, uh, in Austin. So now they're venturing out beyond that. And they're looking for land grabs. And you and I both know when a land, gra- when a land grab is, is going on, if that dollar sign says ching ching and hits the right number and the right, the right amount of zeros, so not to the highest bidder, just so. And that's what's going on right now. And the property was now where, it, it, recently uh, it was bought from uh, and along? Buffalo Lakes Limited, an entity affiliated with John Kirksey, <laughs> a UT graduate <laughs> and a well-known local architect. Oh, my goodness. Oh, somebody else want to get their name on a building like Joe Jamel. It's interesting. It's just interesting. I tell you what, they know how to keep their money in their family, don't they? So it all, At least that family. It all ties together. Big 12, David Bourne, and UT. Money makes the world go around, as we all know. Going to wrap it up. I am KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube. Listen to our podcast, the KG Fifth with Wildcat and Doc Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and the pod directory. You can check us out on Facebook at the KG with a Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. We all have Twitter accounts. You can interact with interact with us that way. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you for your input. Oh, yeah. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>